thank you so much for joining us for our Word of the Day today. Hope everyone had a great weekend, and this uh, week we are beginning a look through the book of Exodus. Uh, Exodus is the second book of the Bible, and it continues the story of God's plan to redeem man, and it starts off right where Genesis left off. And if you don't remember, Genesis ends with Israel, the nation of Israel, in the land of Egypt. Of course, God gave the promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, and Abraham had Isaac, and Isaac had Jacob, and Jacob uh, with him and Rachel and Leah and their two midwives. They had the 12 men that would eventually become the 12 tribes of Israel, but they also had a 13th son named Joseph, and Joseph was hated by his brothers, and he's sold into slavery into Egypt. Jacob thinks he's dead. Jake, uh, Joseph is down in Egypt as a slave, but God watches over him, and he finds favor in God's sight. And so through some trials and some difficulties that we're not going to get into today, he finds himself as second in command in the most powerful nation in the world. He is Pharaoh's right-hand man. And Joseph, because God blesses him with the ability to interpret dreams, he determines that God has warned Pharaoh of a coming famine. There's going to be seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. And so he spends those seven years stocking up grain and food for the Egyptians that during the famine, they'll be able to survive. Well, the famine comes and Egypt, of course, runs out of food, but also do the surrounding nations. And Israel is in Canaan and they run out of food, but they hear about food in Egypt. And so Jacob sends his sons down to Egypt, and they come before Joseph. They don't know it's Joseph, but Joseph knows it's them. And through an incredible story, Joseph reveals himself to them. He forgives them in an incredible way, and he brings his entire family down to Egypt. And Pharaoh gives Jacob's family the land of Goshen to live in. Well, some time goes by, and we're not sure exactly how much time, but Everyone that we see in Genesis chapter 50 that we end the book of Genesis with has died. Uh, Pharaoh's died, Jacob's died, Joseph's died, all of his brethren have died. But Israel, the nation of Israel, is still living in the land of Egypt. And look what the Bible says about them in Exodus chapter 1, starting at verse 7. It says, And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty, and the land was filled with with them. Now, real quick, this is a, a kind of a, a throwback to the promise that God had given to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. If you remember, God told Abraham, uh, I'm going to make you a mighty nation. And Israel is a mighty nation right now. As a matter of fact, they outnumber the Egyptians. He says, I'm going to make you a great family. Well, they're a great family. He says, I'm going to bless you. And this, the nation of Israel is being blessed by God in this, this foreign land. And it seems to be going pretty good for them, but then the story takes a dark turn. Look at verse number 8. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. Now right off the bat, this leads me to believe it's been longer than just, you know, 60 or 70 years, because an e a pharaoh that comes to power would have known Joseph even as a child or would have known the story of Joseph. So it is a possibility that a new pharaoh from a new family came into power, but a lot of theologians think this has been, you know, maybe at least 100 years since Joseph has died. But then he continues. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, 
Let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply, and it should come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. So Pharaoh, this Pharaoh that's in power now, looks at the nation of Israel. And remember, they're in the land of Goshen, which is the best land in Egypt. It's in the Nile River Delta. They have the most fertile land. And he looks at this, this people and he says, these aren't Egyptians, but they have the best land. They outnumber us. They're more than us. And if, if anyone invades our nation, then this nation of, of foreigners could rise up and fight against us and, and we'd lose. And so he goes, we got to do something about this. And so look what he plans to do. Therefore, they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Phython and Ramses. So his idea and his plan to deal with this nation is to enslave them. And so he, he takes the entire nation of Israel uh, captive as slaves. He puts taskmasters over them and he makes them work for the uh, nation of Egypt. But it doesn't go the way he plans. Look at verse number 12. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were grieved because of the children of Israel. So again, this is a picture of God keeping his promise to the nation of Israel. He, remember, he told Abraham, not only am I going to make you a great nation, not only am I going to make you a great people, but I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you despite what happens. If someone's trying to hurt you or curse you, I'm still going to bless you. And that's exactly what's going on. Pharaoh is trying to destroy Israel, is trying to enslave Israel, but God continues to bless Israel. So as the story continues, Pharaoh comes with a, up with another idea. He says, well, enslaving them is not working, so here's what I'm going to do. And he, he calls in all the Egyptian midwives that tend to the women of Israel, and they give birth to the, you know, help the women of Israel give birth. And he tells them, when you are helping these women, and they're giving birth, when the baby is born, if it's a girl, fine, let it live. But if it's a boy, kill it. And it's just... It's an exceptionally wicked plan. But the midwives, they don't go along with it because they fear God. Look what the Bible says in Genesis 1.17. But the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. So right off the bat in this story, you see this, this wicked man. And Pharaoh right now, he's the, the most evil character we meet in the Bible up to this point. And he has basically made Israel or the people of God his enemy. He's declared war on them. He's enslaved them to try to stop them. It hasn't worked. And so now he takes the plan of having the midwives kill the male children, but it still doesn't work. The midwives fear God. Now, when Pharaoh calls them in and says, why aren't you doing what I told you to do? They, they basically say, well, you know, we try, but these Israelite women, they give birth so fast. By the time we're there, it's already done, and they've already got the baby cared for, and we can't kill it then. And so they make up an excuse, but look what God says about them in verse 21. And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, that he made them houses. So God, once again, we see God keeping his promise. Remember, he told Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a mighty nation. I'm going to give you a great family. And I'm going to bless those that bless you. And these, these Egyptian midwives, they blessed the nation of Israel. They blessed Abraham's family and so God blesses them. Now, what we learn about God in this first chapter of the book of Exodus is that even if we're going through difficult times, even if we're having trials or burdens or affliction placed on us, God still sees us and God still keeps his word. And we can, 
we can trust God that he's going to keep his word. He's going to keep his promise. As his children, he's going to protect us. He's going to watch over us. He's going to keep the promise he made to Abraham to us no matter what we're going through. Then beginning in Exodus chapter 2, we see that God is continuing his story of the plan of redemption for mankind. Look what he starts off in verse 1. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. Now what Pharaoh has done up to this point is he stopped relying on the midwives. And he's just in, relied on his soldiers to go throughout the, the camp of the nation of Israel. And if they ever see a, a male child, their responsibility is to kill it and throw it in the Nile. And so hundreds of children are being slaughtered all the time. And Moses is born to this family. And instead of being you know, thrown into the Nile, he's hidden by his mom. And it continues in verse 3. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and dabbed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags of the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off and wilt what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrew children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go call thee to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew and brought him into Pharaoh's daughter's, <clears throat> and the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses, for she said, because I drew him out of the water. Now what we see in those verses is an incredible story. Of course, uh, Moses' mom, she spares her child. And what, what mother wouldn't? I'm sure every Egyptian mother uh, tried what this woman tried, but they weren't as successful but Miriam, this is Moses' mother, she's successful. And so she hides Moses for three months, and then when she can't hide him anymore, she builds a little ark for him, a little boat for him, puts him in the Nile River, and by faith sends him down the river, trusting that God will take care of him. And God does. He's discovered by Pharaoh's daughter, and when she sees him, she knows right away he's a Hebrew. She is one of her, the children that are the enemy to her father. This child should be dead, but... Instead of having him killed, she uh, has compassion on him, and she adopts him as her own. Now, what's wonderful about this story is Moses' mother is hired by Pharaoh's daughter to nurse Moses until he's weaned. And so she gets to spend precious years with her son as he's growing, and she's nursing him and nurturing him. But then when he's old enough and he's weaned, he goes and he becomes part of Pharaoh's house. Now, what we see here is we see the first type of Christ in the Bible. Like Jesus, Moses comes in a miraculous way. Now, of course, Jesus was virgin born, and Moses was born of a mother and a father, but he comes to Pharaoh's daughter in a miraculous way, put on the Nile and pushed down the river, and he was able to survive. Just a three-month-old little baby, uh, he's able to survive the Nile. He's not overturned and drowned in the, the rough waters. He's not... Uh, eaten or attacked by a hippopotamus or a crocodile or any of the dangerous animals in the Nile. So he comes 
in a miraculous way. And like Jesus, he goes into the enemy's territory to redeem God's people. Now, Moses went to Pharaoh's house, the enemy of Israel. Jesus came to earth, the enemy, you know, which was ruled by Satan, the enemy of God. And so they both came to the enemy's territory to be used by God to redeem mankind. But unlike Jesus, Moses is, is pretty flawed. He has some pretty glaring mistakes that he makes in his life. Look at verse number 11. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian, smiting a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So now Moses has grown up. Uh, he's about 40 years old right now. He goes out, and he knows he's a Hebrew. He knows he's an Israelite. He knows that these people that are being enslaved by his family are actually his people. And so he goes out and he sees an Egyptian beating one of his family. Look what he continues. And he looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together, and he said to them that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy, thy fellow? And he said, who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killedest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But no, Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. So Moses, he goes out, he sees one of his uh, Israelite brethren being, being, smite, being beaten, being mistreated. So he, he looks around, he doesn't see anybody watching, and he kills this Egyptian and, and hides it in the sand. And he thought he got away with it. But then he goes out the next day and he sees two Israelites fighting. He kind of tries to intervene. And they're like, what, are you going to kill us like you killed the Egyptian? So this tells us a very important truth that God reiterates throughout Scripture later on. Your sin is never hidden. We, we do things and we think no one notices. But, you know, the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. And even if you're able to, you know, hide it from man, even if you're able to keep your sin hidden from your spouse or your parents or your friends and co-workers, even if you can hide it from men, God knows your sin. You can never hide your sin from God. So at this point in the story, it seems like God's plan is, is kind of failed. You know, he's, he's chosen Moses to free Israel and Moses wanted to do it in his own way, in his own time. So he takes matters in his own hands and he kills an Egyptian. And because he killed the Egyptian, the Pharaoh, who, you know, it's his, his adopted grandfather, he doesn't really care that Moses was adopted into his family. He's going to kill Moses. So Moses has to flee Egypt. So the Redeemer that God had sent to redeem Israel out of bondage has failed and fled. But God's not done just yet. Look what he says in verse number 23. And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up unto the Lord by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob, and God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. Even though the story by, by man's thoughts, by our viewpoint, it looks pretty, pretty bad. Uh, the Redeemer that God has sent to redeem Israel has failed miserably. He's killed someone. He's fled for his life. He's not even really in the picture anymore. Now, he'll come back, and we'll see that next chapter, but he's not even in the picture anymore. And it seems 
it seems dire. It seems hopeless. But Israel cries out to God, and God sees their cry, sees their burdens, hears their cry, and he says, I'm going to keep my promise. Here's what that's telling us. God is always working even in the difficult times of our life, even in the hard times, even in the times we can't explain, we can't understand, even when it seems hopeless and helpless to us, God is always working, God always sees us, and God is always keeping his promise to us. That's a, that's a great truth for us this morning, that God, no matter what we've done, no matter where we're at, God sees us, and God's going to keep his promise to us. Thanks for joining us this morning for our word of the day. Hope you have a great day on this Monday. We're going to be back tomorrow looking at a little bit more of the book of Exodus. Have a blessed day.